0: Hi everyone, this is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show, and this show is for anyone that has a strong passion, a strong interest for health. More specifically, you're driven, you've got a calling for helping other people get healthier in this world, past, present, or not past, but present and future, and paving the way for health and for populations in health uh, in the future. Most specifically, I'm very enthused, very excited to have Lisa Alderson on the show today. So Lisa's doing some pretty profound work at, at Genome Medical. I'm not going to steal our thunder, but she is the co-founder and CEO at Genome Medical. Really interesting stuff in genomics, stuff I'm fascinated with, stuff our fat, our listeners are fascinated with. But again, I'm not going to steal our thunder. Lisa, welcome to the show. <laughs>
1: Thank you, Anthony, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for having me on Pop Health and thanks to your listeners as well for just taking an interest in how we can improve and change healthcare delivery in the future.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, so so very grateful for your time. Thank you for peeling, peeling off from the, the day-to-day to do this and hopefully it'll be refreshing for you as, as much as these episodes are for me. But take us back and teleport us back to, to where it all started or more specifically, you know, you're, you're in an interesting field, you're blazing a trail, um, tell us a little bit about your origin story and, and maybe the series of events that have led you to where you're at today.
1: Oh, fantastic. So I'm a longtime entrepreneur. I just have a passion about building businesses. I love the creativity of it. I love the profound impact that it can create. I, you know, very much enjoy having uh, kind of the longevity of that and the accomplishments and seeing uh, those, those uh, uh, businesses I've built in the past continue to thrive today. Uh, so I actually come through an interesting journey actually starting in consumer and technology and I was introduced to the field of genomics uh, around the year 2000 when we were sequencing the first human genome and I was really fascinated by the complexity of the biology of disease and the rapid advancement in both the medicine and the science and the technology that was occurring.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: To me, uh, this really provided a new opportunity for you know, precision medicine, uh, the infancy of precision medicine to really start. And over the years, um, I've just seen the incredible impact that can occur. I've had both friends and family members affected by disease. You know, affected by genetic conditions. And it's just become so clear to me that today we have the medicine, we have the science, we have the technology, we can improve how we advance our understanding of disease, how we diagnose, how we get to the right treatment faster. But we need to really get that into the hands of patients. And so that is exactly why I co founded Genome Medical. And uh, really, with a vision of how do we shepherd in this new era of genomic medicine? How do we bring personalized medicine forward to every patient everywhere? And you know, I, I can imagine um, a day where we've overcome a lot of the barriers that exist today, and it really does uh, kind of bring forward both an improvement in healthcare as well as in in many cases the cost of healthcare delivery. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, So that's really what's brought me here today. And um, just briefly, with regard to Genome Medical, we really help both uh, healthcare providers and their patients navigate this rapidly expanding field of genetics and genomics. We help individualize, individuals really um, better understand their risk for disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can get to an accelerated diagnosis uh, for symptomatic individuals. And in many cases, genomics can actually help inform the right selection of therapy and or make a more informed treatment decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our goal is to really create ease of access via uh our global well actually nationwide today eventually global but nationwide network of clinical expertise uh, as well as a robust telehealth platform that allows us to deliver uh, genetics and genomics to patients and clinicians all around the country
0: i love it i love it no i really appreciate your background and and definitely what you're doing um you know and, and some of the things you're mentioning here i actually um you know, have some company building questions for you as well. You're prompting just kind of like, you know, how do you build a company like this and, you know, and assemble the right team in the right day and age. So I'll save that question maybe for a little bit later. But the um, interesting thing is, so I'm all, I love, I love the contrast of like the clouds and the dirt of different topics, right? And when it comes to uh, genomics and DNA and, um, well, so first of all, it just, it's a fascinating thing. You're playing this in, in this interesting capacity model, right? And this is like an intersection of genomics and telemedicine. So I'd love to hear more about that, but maybe like the fourth grade level explanation of, of ge- what is genomics, what is DNA? Um, I like to think I can teach this to a, a fourth grade class, but I don't, I don't think I'd be successful at doing it. So, uh, okay, uh, right. a, so, so, leaning into my ignorance, um, Tell us a little bit about genomics. Why is that important? What? What? Why? Why should we care? Um, I know on your site you have like five um, you know, to seven percent. You know, have a uh, have something inside them and they don't even know about it, right? A genetic uh, potential you know, thing, and that's that's jarring. But but just give us some orientation about why what this is and, and why the public should really uh, um, be be interested and fascinated to you know in a positive way. Of course.
1: Yeah, so we all have a genome. It's, uh, one of the top factors that affects our health. Mm -hmm. We just simply never had, you know, the ability to access the, you know, our molecular makeup in, in a way that could inform our clinical care. And so, uh, the study of genomics really looks at the, that molecular level of, of the body and that Mm -hmm. relates to our genetics. So the DNA we inherit from our parents. Uh, But that also includes, uh, for example, in the field of oncology, uh, we'll profile a tumor uh, and look at the makeup of that tumor to then, you know, better assess uh, treatment decisions. And so, really, genomics and genetics often are somewhat intertwined. I think of genomics as a little bit of a broader category in genetics, very specific to, again, the DNA we inherit from our parents. Um, but the reason it matters is that you know our DNA is our life code. It makes us who we are. It mm-hmm. helps determine, uh, you know, what we look like. But it also really helps us uh, sort of understand, you know, our propensity towards certain illnesses, in particular, inherited uh, disease. Mm-hmm. And as an example, there's one gene that's common, uh, common in the media that many you know have had some exposure to which is the BRCA gene, BRCA1 and BRCA2. And this is a DNA repair gene. So if it's not functioning properly, it means that it makes you actually more susceptible to cancer. Mm -hmm. And that's an area where in the past, we didn't have this knowledge. And so, you know, I personally have Uh, a friend who lost his wife uh, to breast cancer at an early age, leaving behind three children. And, you know, it was a very clear familial pattern where, you know, other family members had been affected. And, you know, this was a decade ago. And now we have the the medicine and the science and the technology to better inform that care. So, you know, I think a key message that's important to hear for anybody listening is that, you know, if there is a history of cancer in your family... Or frankly, a history of cardiovascular disease. These are inherit, or portion of that is inheritable conditions. And about ten percent of cancer uh, comes from a hereditary basis. About five percent of cardiovascular disease. And so, you know, we now often have uh, the means to better understand those risk factors. And it's important to understand those risks. Because if you're informed, if you know you have, as an example, a gene that's not functioning properly, it's not making the proteins uh, that it needs to in order to have the body function as it's intended, that that actually is a very clear cause that could manifest itself in the future. And so with that knowledge, you can then take preventive or proactive measures. And so in the case of cancer, often that's about active surveillance. And Mm -hmm. by virtue of knowing this information, for example, if you have uh, a mutation in this BRCA gene, uh, under just about all insurance plans, you're now eligible for an annual MRI, as an example, for a woman who's at elevated risk for breast cancer. Which means that you're, you know, you're getting higher sensitivity and, you know, kind of more uh, regular monitoring, which would lead generally to earlier detection. Which means that if you find cancer at its earliest stage, it's, you know, its earliest stage, it's most treatable, and thus it actually improves, uh, you know, your your health and, and your longevity. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so there's very clear actionability that can result. Uh, in, you know, areas of medicine today where genetics and genomics can be utilized to really start to shepherd in this path towards personalized medicine. Right, right. No,
0: Lisa, thank you for that. And um, I really appreciate that orientation. Um, and then a follow-up to that or the circle back on that is, so yeah, you're, you're playing in this interesting space where timing is like optimal for you, right? And so it's a blessing. You have these like if I'm if I'm playing it back correctly the, the capacity phenomenon that could be unlocked with with telemedicine and this and understanding of the genome more than ever before being able to, to give people that opportunity to understand what's going and potentially treat, examine know and not not so the, the the ticket to be ignorant about your own genome and the risk that it poses there doesn't have to be such anymore right and so, it, it, that's what fascinates me, what you're doing. But maybe I'd love to hear a little bit more about your passion for the space and um, if it's telemedicine or, or the combination of genome and telemedicine side of things that, that really draws your passion. I'd just love for you to elaborate a little bit more on, on the service that you guys are, um, what you're doing in the company and kind of like what, you know, why you're doing it as well, you know, at, at this point in time, like from, the, from a market time perspective.
1: Perfect. Yeah, thank you. So, yeah, if I would really think about, you know, how do we design healthcare to, uh, you know, one, make it a much more engaging, user-friendly experience, uh, that kind of comes from my background in consumer, uh, you know, in, in uh, technology, but also how do we think about, you know, just uh, the appropriate care, getting the right care to the right patient at the right time? that really does bring together these two themes uh, that, Mm -hmm. you know, medical is focused on, which is genomics and telehealth. So I think of genomics as, you know, a cornerstone, a building block. It really offers this path towards personalized medicine because by understanding, so if you think of it at a population health level, Mm -hmm. let's, let's say we said across, you know, a million people, if we could find in that the million people or, you know, across the entire United States, uh the individuals that are at elevated risk for cancer. And that's gonna be one cohort that we manage in a way that is different from the population at large. Because right. as I noted, if you're if you're at high risk for cancer, well you should be getting a different set of treatment. Uh, you should be under more active surveillance. And you take some of the standards of care, and I'll use as an example a colonoscopy, right? If everybody's recommended to have a colonoscopy at age 50 Well, that means that across a general population, that's probably, you know, a a good guideline for care. Mm. However, if you are not kind of in the middle of the bell curve, and you know that means that we're actually probably over treating the vast majority of individuals mm-hmm. and we're under treating a segment of the population where that need is higher. Mm-hmm. People get colon cancer before the age of 50. And so if you could, across an entire population, say here's the cohort with actually the highest risk, either because of their molecular makeup, their family history, but that combination, we can now appropriately provision care. To that cohort in particular, and so across the population at large, it makes you know uh, kind of obvious sense that you could then start to provision care in ways that make you know more sense for that given individual, and that can be then what results in ultimately improved outcomes and that potential for cost savings because you're you know you're not provisioning care universally for all, but rather based on. Mm-hmm. Um, The telehealth side of it to me really enables a new care care paradigm in how we deliver health care, and it also creates much more convenience and access. Mm -hmm. We're applying telehealth to genomics for the following reasons. So genetics and genomics is a very small specialty area of medicine. There are only 2,000 geneticists in the entire United States. And there are about mm-hmm. four thousand genetic counselors. These are the specialists with depths of knowledge, again, about the human biology of disease, and that, uh, with that small group of specialists, we have a field that is exploding. Genomics, as a category, as a as a market, is growing at about twenty five percent year over year. Mm-hmm. And so, all of these experts are largely located at the leading academic centers, which means that the vast majority of patients you know, 70, 75% of patients are actually seen in the community settings. they largely don't have access uh, to this evolving standard of care in genetics and genomics. And so the way in which we address that is via our telehealth model. Mm-hmm. We can bring that clinical knowledge and expertise from the thought leaders in the industry to every patient everywhere. So suddenly the advancements in genomic medicine are available you know, independent of what zip code you live in, which was not the case historically. Mm -hmm. And so that is, I think, just a profound uh, change because it enables this access. uh, We can overcome this access issue. So if you take, you know, as an example, uh, you know, a, a patient, Jennifer, who lives in Nebraska, you know, in order to get access to that quality clinical care, that often means taking time off work, probably even buying a plane ticket. Right. And, you know, that's just such a big barrier that a lot of people don't pursue it. If, right. on the other hand, through Genome Medical, you can have next day access. You're scheduling an appointment online. It's at your convenience. You're seeing that leading medical geneticist, you know, or genetic counselor via the comfort of your home through a video consultation. Those are night and day different. So we really think about it as trying to solve, you know, those barriers of access for patients right. everywhere.
0: Yeah, it's like you're unlocking both sides of the market, right? And um, it's 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 super super fascinating. I guess my my follow-up question to that is is you know profound service, profound opportunity, new paradigm shift to really you know uncover these these you know potential anomalies. Um, how do you distribute? You know, how do you look at that? Right? So I you know. Obviously, I run a a company called Health Hero, um, where, you know, social determinants of health as a platform, as a service that's multi-channel, and we're always, you know, reassessing the way we distribute, who should we, you know, how do we connect with the EHRs, how do we distribute, how do we go to market optimally with the best physics possible, right, at every stage of growth for our company. How do you, what's your mental model for for, uh, distribution, getting this into the hands of who needs it?
1: Yeah, so we work primarily with hospitals and health systems and providers to mm-hmm. increase access to our services. Uh, we do offer directly through our website uh, mm-hmm. you know, sub- at genomedical.com. Mm-hmm. Individuals can self-refer, and we do, in fact, take insurance, um, and we also have low-cost patient payments and financial assistance plans. Uh, but really, it's about creating access you know, where there is need. And so on the provider front, uh, what we really why we're building those models and bridging is that, you know, in those uh, leading academic centers, I noted where there is a genetic uh, department, often they're overloaded, they're seeing referrals increase, you know, some say 25 to 50% in the last year alone of course our workforce has not increased at that same pace Mm -hmm. and so a big part of what we're delivering in innovation we call it our genomic care delivery platform it's technology enablement tools to support the clinical care delivery in a more efficient manner and our clinical team utilizes those tools but uh, we also seek to make some of those tools available to other providers. So as an Mm -hmm. example, when we work with health systems to bring genomics forward, uh, we can often provide a tool that a patient just completes a basic, you know, personal and family health history. Uh, With that input, we now run algorithms that determine and flag anybody who would meet medical, you know, management guidelines and criteria for genetic services and genetic testing. Mm -hmm. In which case, we overcome the first barrier, which is who should benefit? Who needs this? And, you know, in surveys, it's been shown that the vast majority of primary care doctors, you know, just find this overwhelming, right? It's, It's such a rapid pace of growth in the science and the medicine that, they have a hard time identifying who would be, you know, in, in need of genetics. And so we can then help overcome that barrier. And then we work with the providers to create really integrated workflows where we simply catch the patient. We provide pretest counseling. We can select the right test. Mm-hmm. And there are now over 70,000 different genomic tests on the market. So that is complex in and of itself. And then we really, you know, drive to, uh, once we get the results, to interpret those results and deliver, we call it a clinical action plan. It's basically a personalized care plan for that individual utilizing, you know, kind of the knowledge of their personal and family health history and the results from the genetic test and now determine, you know, how clinical care should be changed in the future. And this mm-hmm. is used most today for you know symptomatic individuals or individuals with a strong family health history. We do have a growing area in the market around consumer genetics, where more and more individuals are seeking some uh, you know direct to consumer testing, and in particular for their ancestry. And so we also uh, can support and do get uh, individuals who come to us with questions about the results of those tests. Uh, and similarly, we can, you know, help determine what the right care path is for those individuals. And if there is something underlying that warrants confirmatory testing and a change in clinical care, we do provide that for the individual.
0: I love it. I love it, Lisa. Yeah, no, this is, this is great. Um, and so thanks for clarifying, you know, um, you know, your, your, your services and how you distribute. It, and it's, it's just fascinating to, to see how you think about it. And uh, how you're doing on and executing upon it. So, um, Lisa, let me ask you about the future of healthcare. the future of health, according to Lisa. Uh, <laughs> tell me, tell me, uh, tell me what you see happening in the future of health.
1: So, you know, I think I'm most excited about the massive strides we're taking towards personalized medicine. It really, to me, just fundamentally will change how we deliver healthcare care in the future. For people not in the field, I often describe it as, well, you can imagine there was a day in medicine where, you know, we didn't know how to do a blood drop. We didn't know how to analyze that and use that information to potentially inform patient care. Well, we'd all look back on that and say, how is that possible? How could you practice medicine you know, without a basic blood panel as an example? I think we will look back on today and feel mm-hmm. exactly the same way about genomics. Again, this is our DNA. This is our life code. Mm-hmm. We're going to say, how did we prescribe drugs? And we did not look. You know, at the molecular makeup of the individual, how did we make treatment decisions, you know, often based on symptoms alone rather than, uh, you know, a a more precise diagnosis? And again, this, this doesn't yet impact all areas of medicine, but it does across, cut across most areas of medicine. And Mm so I think it's just very exciting to, understand these new advancements and how meaningful it will be in improving patient care in the future, as well as you know potentially impacting favorably the cost of care delivery, which of course is a significant area of concern across healthcare broadly. Um, just to bring a stat forward, so in studies that we are participating in with other uh, kind of uh, leaders in the field, we're seeing about one out of 15 people In the population at large, uh, have a high risk variant that would change their clinical care. One out of 15. Mm -hmm. So that's a high percentage. Mm -hmm. In which case, if we, you know, if, if we sort of peel forward, as you said, where this goes in the future. You know, I think we march towards increasingly expanded clinical utility for when individuals, according to medical management guidelines, receive access to genetics and genomics. And Mm -hmm. just recently, the American Society of Breast Surgeons is now recommending all breast cancer patients have genetic testing. Mm-hmm. This is an advancement previously that was only mm-hmm. individuals you know diagnosed at an early age or individuals with a family health history but we're now seeing you know the ability to utilize that information to change clinical care is equally important for all um, and it's hugely you know impactful in areas where for example ovarian cancer or pancreatic cancer where you know these are these are cancers that are often diagnosed at a very late And so the survival rates are very low. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a program uh, currently to try to trace back to anybody who's had ovarian cancer and now get all of the family members, all the women, uh, tested because it has, you know, the potential again with that information to profoundly change, you know, care and likely save lives. And so uh, that, you know, this uh, I think uh, you know overarching message to just uh, leave everyone with is that. You know, there, there's sort of two areas in the field that are advancing, you know, one of which is core medical management, where we have clear clinical utility, where guidelines are in place, where we have reimbursement coverage. And that's the area we're most focused on today because that's where patients can be impacted and they're not getting access. So to right. me, that is that is a core problem it's been shown that about 70 percent of women who meet nccn guidelines for genetic testing are not getting that testing today uh, and often are not having the conversation even about it being an option and so right. that's what we're trying to impact today in the future, it's about how that expands. And I see that in the future, we'll have access for every cancer patient for every cardiovascular patient. And eventually, it marches, you know, to the healthy and well as well, uh, because this has profound impact, you know, for roughly one out of every 50 newborns have a genetic uh, component that can impact their care. And so, you know, eventually, it comes forward into models that really are accessible to all.
0: I love it. I love it, Lisa. And um, I guess I have one more question for you. Before I ask it, um, what's a good way for our listeners to get to to connect with you, social media wise, if, if uh, you'd like people to do so?
1: Yeah, we're on Twitter at Genomed. Um, and I'm personally on Twitter at Lisa A. Um, you can also find us online at GenomeMedical.com.
0: Awesome! Awesome. Uh, so we'll link to that in the show notes. And, and Lisa, um, I'm kind of curious. So you're you're in healthcare. You've been in healthcare for a while. What's something you do routine-wise, whether it's daily or weekly, that really keeps the engine going?
1: I'm sorry. What do I do routinely, daily, that keeps the engine yeah, going, like,
0: like, yeah, health-wise, exercise-wise. Oh, yeah. That's um, good. Uh, so, meditation. So I
1: yeah so you know I, I definitely have done meditation at points but I can't say I'm reliable it, for me it's actually yoga I like I to uh, as often as possible wake up and start my day with sun salutations doesn't always happen but that is the goal <laughs> I
0: love it so, so non-guided you just do sun salutations you don't throw on yoga with Adrian on YouTube and, and do it or
1: <laughs> <laughs> no just just in my my quiet space it's a good way to start the day um, a big it. fan of of uh, been a huge outdoor enthusiast, uh, love scuba diving, snorkeling, hiking, biking, all sorts of outdoor activities, uh, and definitely uh, big on just yeah, diet and and making sure uh, I'm trying to trying to sleep as much as possible. Though that's my bad area; that's where I do not succeed <laughs> <clean> usually. <laughs> awesome,
0: awesome. No, I'm inspired. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring back the the yoga mat by my bed, my my um. By my bed and, and lay it out, and you know, I'm, I'm re inspired. I used to <laughs> walk out of bed and just do some, some, some quick yoga moves just to kind of get <laughs> going. And my yoga mat disappeared. Actually, I brought it here to the office and I use it as my standing desk mat. And Oh, but, that's uh, fabulous. I need, I need, I need, I have one at home. I need to, I need to bring it back out. So, get
1: the blood um, flowing. Um, yeah. Amen. Amen.
0: Lisa, this was great having you on. I really appreciate the time. Sorry if we went a little bit over, but uh, it was very rewarding enriching, and and I think most importantly, as you work on other projects, you distribute, you grow. I'd love to have you back on, share your stories, share what, what, what you're seeing out in the market. But uh, again, Lisa, thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Anthony. Have a great day.
0: You too. Have a great one. Thank you.